This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Three, two, one. Hello, hello. How are you doing, my Let's Keep It Real people? Well, I know you are excited because I told you he was coming. Today's awesome and inspiring guest is my buddy, my friend, my pal, my mentor, my coach. It could go on and on, Matt Labosco. But before I bring him on, let's just tell you a little bit about him. For those of you who may, you know, maybe you didn't hear him before. Matthew is a licensed conscious transformation trainer, an energy practitioner, and a movement therapist. He works with individuals all over the world through his private practice and classes and workshops. Matthew has studied with some of the most revolutionary and progressive health professionals in many different fields, and his multidiscipline approach has empowered individuals from all over the world to access a life of health and vitality they didn't realize was possible. And before we even begin, just for those who don't know, he's also my coach. And before he came on this show, we were for, you know, most of the times I agree with him, but we were getting into some pretty heated debates, which are good. It's always good for change right before the show. And I was saying to him, I wonder if we should have done it the opposite way, but who cares? We're here now. It should make it more fun. Hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sandy. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun, right? I'm like, wait a minute. Let me go to the bathroom before we come back here, you know? Hit the reset button. And push the, push the reset button. So we were starting to get into a little bit, and we'll try to stay on topic, but with me and Matt, you never know which direction we're going to take. Uh, because we veer off a lot and we could go on for hours. That's why we keep bringing them back. But with the holidays, you know, and people having just having Thanksgiving and everything, but you know, we have Christmas and we have New Year's. There's people that you may have not seen in a long time. You only see once a year. Hopefully, you know, it's kumbaya, but with as most family and friends, that's not always the way it goes. And we want to talk about, you know, Dealing with conflict, how to prepare yourself before you go into a big gathering that you might be like, ah, you know, how not to set it up to fail, Uh, how, which is a big one, what to say and not to say to those people that maybe you think are not saying such nice things to you. And when do you keep, this is like such a big question. When do you keep the peace and what do you say back? And are you not sticking up for yourself? You know? If you just let things slide, and every single one of these questions is, you know, on an individual basis, but, and we could probably spend a lifetime answering them. But Matt, you think you can do it in 30 minutes or less? 27 minutes, I think, is plenty. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's true. We all face this, and we're always going to face it, right? I mean, 
by the way, I'm sure you have the perfect family, like as do I. Everyone gets along. There's no skeletons in the closets. Everyone is kumbaya, same as you, right? Uh, Partridge family, yeah, absolutely. You got it. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just backtrack a little bit and let's just talk so they can get to know you a little bit. Do you, do you mind if we just talk a little bit about your journey, just a little, so they can understand your perspective and then we'll move forward and answer some of these questions? Okay. So when I met Matt, you were mostly into the body work or physical therapy world, wouldn't you say? Out 100%, 100% correct, yes. What made you do the shift? Like, what was that aha moment for you of, okay, I'm going to go more into uh, the work you're doing now and add it into what you're doing? Because I know you do both. Great question. Well, when I started, the, the vision I had was to empower people to access a health, uh, a level of health and vitality within themselves they didn't realize was possible. Like that's where the journey started. And because I struggled with my body uh, as a young young man and as an athlete through high school and college, uh, I've had five orthopedic surgeries before I was 25 and it was definitely in a particular relationship with the body and had a lot of questions as to number one, why does my body keep doing this? And why isn't the things that I'm doing really helping? And so my journey started there and I got a lot of great answers, studied with incredible mentors and um, created a, a discipline, a way of, of, of assessing and treating different injuries, you know, from from neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain, knee pain, whatever the we'll call it the 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 we'll call it orthopedic thing that was going on for somebody, like really created a system that was able to really help a lot of people and give them another option. And I did that for 15 years in California and had a practice, you know, clinical practice, had people that were coming to study with me in California and really um was, you know, I would say hit the mark there as far as what I was intending to, as far as how to manage the body. But one of the places that would show up, not only for my clients, but for myself, that I really had no idea how to manage was this whole idea of stress. And so I'd have a client come in, they'd have back pain or shoulder pain, and I could assess that the amount of pain they were in relative to what I was finding with them biomechanically didn't seem to match up. And it was pretty clear to me and in many cases to the individual that their pain they were experiencing was really because of this thing called stress. And I don't even really, we didn't even know what that really meant. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, stress is causing them pain. Like, uh, I've heard about this. I've read about it. I don't really understand it. And I damn well don't know what to do for them besides tell them, have a glass of wine, take a hot bath. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to tell you. And, and then I reflect even further. I was like, well, shit, man, I'm completely stressed out and I don't know how to manage that space either. And so I had a friend who was coming out to study with me um, for the mechanics who introduced this idea of meditation and like a long story short, I started to dive into 
the different aspects of um, uh, neuro neuroscience, psychology, meditation, and it led me to another mentor that I've been studying with for the last six years, and I've learned very quickly that the power of learning how to manage our internal state has the greatest influence and impact not only on our body but also on our life. And so when I went back to that original vision or intention that I created, which was to empower people to access a life of health and vitality that they did not know, I was like, wow, this 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 trumps it all. Like this is the thing that really creates the empowerment that I that I stated, you know, that I wanted to create. So when I saw that, I actually sold my practice in LA and have been doing this full time, um, like you said, private practice teaching and teaching weekends for the last four years. You know, Matt and I met because I wanted to blog him. And my friend Glo said, hey, this is a guy you want to blog. That's how we met. You know that. Right, I remember. And then you wanted me to be your guinea pig. And X Am I still your guinea pig? I mean, X Am Well, they, they call it the practice of medicine for a reason. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're all part, we're all, we all play the role of guinea pig. Exactly. But, you know, you said a few things that, you know, I just assume that people know, but they don't. Uh, I mean, pretty much, if anyone's listened to me, knows, you know, I'll call it my sensation. Like, I've had issues with my neck, which threw me for a loop recently because, you know, I, you know, I don't miss a beat, you know? And one of my girlfriends that was taking me, shout out to Jen, to some of the, you know, the chiropractor physical therapy appointments said, you know, my son has, you know, dealt with um, migraines and stuff like that. But I didn't realize, like, she would come in and sit in and, like, watch some of the appointments or something. She's like, I didn't realize what a big emotional component there is to injuries, pain, etc. Like, it just blew her mind. And to me, because of the field I've been in, I'm thinking, I thought everyone realized they both go hand in hand. But that's not true. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the, I would say that it's the thing that people will acknowledge as, yeah, it's important, but then that's the end of the focus there. And a reason why I think there's no more focus put there because there's really not any tools to manage it. Right. Right. So it's like, yeah, I understand that's important. I understand that's a variable, but we don't put our attention on it because at the end of the day, we don't really have tools to manage that. That's my perception. Yeah. I do find there are more, I'm just going to say physical therapists for now and chiropractors that are diving into understanding the emotional component and if people are ready to, you know, be healed and, you know, be willing. Like, I'm encountering those people. Like, I don't know about you. I mean... What does your world tell you? I think they're they're really opening up to hey these things go hand in hand. Oh, I think you're absolutely correct. I think more now than ever, it is accepted that this is a huge influence, mm-hmm. and there's no question that 
there are health professionals out there starting to explore number one what that really means and what can we do to serve that space for people I yeah i know there's even a psychologist at some of these clinics do you know what i mean like they're they're like at some of the uh phys- bigger physical therapy you know because they get it they understand which i think is really cool no doubt it's starting to be integrated yes yeah yeah all right so we know about that we know how we met we know what you're doing now and where your focus is. Just let's clear up one little thing. Do you still do uh, the body work? Are you still doing that? Or are you doing more of the coaching? Uh, 90%, 95% is teaching, coaching, mentoring. I will still do some of the body work or serve people in that space, but mostly yeah, it's. So yeah, hands-on, but it's mostly for the people that are engaged inside of the mentoring with me. So if I have a client, like let's say you and I were living in the same place and you were one of my clients that I work with in the in the mentoring space, you know, I would totally serve you in the body space gotcha. if, if you needed it. You follow me? Yeah. But I'm yeah. not out there yeah. promoting yeah. that I do body work. Gotcha. All right. Well, now we know a little bit more about you and where you're coming from. So let, let's get into it. Let's let's just start with, hey, Matt, I love my family, but they drive me crazy. I'm going home for the holidays. Let's just even say it's your in-laws. Uh, some people, they spend like a whole weekend because they have to travel. And the whole time, they're, you know, wondering, how am I going to get through it? Can't we leave early? You know, this is just going to be horrible. What can they do? Step one. Step one. Except that you don't have to go there. Oh, you didn't just say that. I did. (laughs) That should go over very well. Matt Labosco said, I don't have to go to my family or friends or in-laws if I don't want to for the holidays. Correct. are, Are you trying to cause a higher divorce rate, Matt? Come on. No, no, not at all. But but if you really want the answer to this, there's two things. There's the how do I manage the thing to how do I manage doing the thing that I don't want to do? Okay. How do I muscle myself through doing stuff that I don't want to do? Like, okay, there's strategies for that. How do I define my experience so that it's different so I don't have to muscle through it and be miserable? Step one is acknowledge I don't have to do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I didn't say don't go. Okay. I'm telling you to acknowledge, hey, I don't have to go. I don't have to go home to see my family. That's not something I need to do or I'm supposed to do. That's the first flag to acknowledge because as soon as we say to ourselves, I need to, I have to, I should, we have now taken on the experience within ourselves of obligation. So it instantaneously comes a burden. Because most of us are going to do it because we feel obligated to do it. So if I feel obligated to do something, I've just defined the experience for me. Can we, can we, I'll pause for a second there because this is an important thing. And again, what gets misinterpreted here, I think is, oh, you're telling me not to go home. No, I'm not telling you that. 
I'm You're just saying, saying you have a choice. Yes, like this is important because you got to understand when we feel burdened by something, in that moment as an experience, we do not have a choice. Okay. If we have to do something, we have no choice. It's a burden. It's it's this heavy thing that we have to overcome. But it's not because it's a heavy thing that we have to overcome. It's because we're orienting to the thing as an obligation. Yeah. So, again, I'm not telling you – I say this to my to moms that I work with and it always gets a ride out of, rise out of them. I tell them, you don't have to take care of your children. And they always look at me like, you are sick. What is wrong with you, right? And I'm not telling them not to take care of their kids. I'm just inviting them to own it as a choice because choice is what gives us power. When we orient to something as I have to, I need to, I'm supposed to, now I've taken away my power because I'm basically orienting to the thing as I don't have a choice, which instantaneously turns it into a burden. So my experience is now defined because of the way in which I'm engaging in the thing. It has nothing to do with the thing. It has to do with the way I've engaged with it or the context in which I'm operating inside of. Okay. All right. Hold on. Well, I know you, so I, I understand what you're saying, but this is a lot to like swallow. So everybody just take a sip of water, tea, or coffee, or wine, or whatever you're drinking, and let's get through this. All right. You ready, Matt? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I understand logically what you're saying. And I get that you say, look at it as a choice. Okay. And forget the kids one because that's a whole nother month of, you know, deep analysis. I threw that in there. Sorry. Yeah. Let's, that's all right. And, you know, lie on your sofa and we'll, you know, because now you're going to the real heartstrings, your kids. But let's talk about. By the way, I can I can hear you sipping water, which is so funny. <laughs> like I'm like, take a sip of water. <laughs> like I've been muting myself and I forgot that time. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. You, did, you, did you ever hear of a, a plastic cup or something that you can sit in front of you? <laughs> what do you have? A, what do you have? A metal bottle and you like have to unscrew it or? It's a giant tin can. Yeah, that the environment is safe. Like you know, we get it. But anyhow. Um, that was pretty funny because I told Matt, he, when he gets so emphatic, he starts banging on the desk. I'm like, somebody's going to be in their car going, ah, ah. I went off the road. Cause, nah. I'm, I'm leveraging the mute button today, Sandy. Well, whatever. I'm kidding. But um, so, yes, you have a choice, but the choice is it's not worth the aggravation or the backlash like I'm choosing because my mom or dad or whatever would be so disappointed and it's not worth that aggravation is that good um you want to want to hear rule two I don't know do I need rule two or we still need to clarify rule I think rule two will help answer what you just said So step one is acknowledge you don't have to do anything. Okay. Step two is my job is not to manage other people's experiences. Okay. It's not my job to make people happy. 
I'm not doing this to make people happy and them not being happy is not my job. I'm not accountable for that. Okay. But, but how about if it makes you unhappy to see them unhappy? So then... Because I think that is with most people, right? If they're sad, you're sad, you know? Yeah, we believe that, that, and that's the kind of the funny part, right? We're, we're going home to we don't make these people happy, which sounds like a, you know, a selfless, noble thing to do. But what's really in the space is what you just said. I'm going home because I don't want to deal with the aggravation. So you're not even doing it for them. Yeah. You're doing it for yourself. You're not actually doing it because you're doing it on their behalf. You're not even really concerned about them. You just don't want to feel aggravated. So you're actually in the most in the place of selfish. No matter what you say about how you love them and blah, blah. No, no, no. You're doing this because you don't want to be in the aggravation. So you're doing it for yourself. So you know what that equates to? Everybody's miserable. Mm. Or they just have one extra glass of wine or get stoned outside to, to get through it. Well, yeah, we all have different strategies to manage the misery. But at the end of the day, everyone's miserable because they're in the space of, you know, uh, I'm doing this out of obligation. I'm going here because I'm trying to avoid aggravation by being less aggravated by being there. So, yeah, that's why everybody hits the old bottle of wine because the whole context in which everything was designed is is aligned with misery. Okay. And, again, I'm not saying you don't have moments of – you know, laughing and connecting with people. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I'm not saying it's all misery, but I'm just saying the context in which we operate in defines the experience. And so if the context we're operating inside of is I have to do this thing, then it's going to be a burden. Yeah. But if you say, listen, I know all the ups and downs, but I'm choosing to go for me Right? That's what you're saying. I'm choosing. Yes. And, and this is the experience I'm going to have. And this is the experience I'm going to have. Yeah. Then what are some steps? Let's just say we go to that one. Like, okay, I I think it's still going to be a big leap for people. But if they can get to, I'm choosing to have this experience. Yeah. Let me just tell you a few things that I know work for me and what doesn't work for me. I know if I visualize how I want the day to go or the experience to go and I do a little bit more meditation and breathing and I don't set myself up to be whatever situation. I'm not just talking about a family guy or a friend's guy or something that could be a more difficult situation. It may not be exactly what I want it, but it's going to be a heck of a lot better because... I didn't keep talking, this is going to be horrible, this is going to be bad, which I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And I don't think that's not being realistic about the other people because you also have to say they are who they are. I can't expect them to change, but how I show up in this situation is what can change. Food for thought, Matt. Amen. So, so, like, what like, are what your are steps? steps? Because those, those are some, are some things, things that I know when I do them work for me. 
Yeah, no, I mean, number one, focusing on what you have control over would be a very good first step. And I think what you're doing as well is you're acknowledging the places I don't have control over. And the three places we don't have control over that we still seem to try to control is, number one, other people, what they do or how they feel. Like, that's a place we have no control over, even though we really go out of our way to try to manage those things. The second thing we have no control over is what happens. We don't have control over that, right? So what do we have control over? We have control over the experience that I'm having in any moment and the next action I take. I have control over the way I respond to what happens. I have control over the way I respond to what people do. That's what I have control over. I have control over my response and the action I take. I have control over that. I don't have control over what people tell me, what people say, what people do, and I don't have control over what happens. So I'm not going to focus on those things because it's not a place of control and it's not a place that I can, can you know, that's not a place I, that, I'm, that I can manage, right? I can manage how I respond to what people do or say, and I can control to the action that I take. That's all we have control over. So what you just named was, hey, this is the place I have control, which is definitely going to be the place I focus on. That's a definitely an important thing to acknowledge. You're right. You so know, if you named, hey, what I'm going to, the, I'm going to choose to go to this event with my family or what have you, and the experience I'm going to focus on is being in a place of acceptance, which I think is a great one for people to do with the family accept people are where they are. And let me just speak to acceptance really quick here. I accept that Uncle Joe gets drunk and and says inappropriate things. Yeah. Right? Um, when you accept that Uncle Joe does that, that does not mean that what you're condoning what, you know, what Uncle Joe does. You're not saying what Uncle Joe does is okay. You're just accepting that that's what Uncle Joe does. You're just acknowledging what he does. Does that make sense? Acceptance is the acknowledgement of something. It doesn't mean you're okay with it. So yeah, you can accept I get it, I get that it. Uncle Joe, hey, that's what Uncle Joe does. I don't have an expectation Uncle Joe doesn't do that. I know that's what he's going to do. And the experience I choose for myself is I choose to be in a place of acceptance with it. I choose to be at peace with it. And I choose to have compassion. That's the experience I choose for myself. Because that's what that's because I have the power to do that because that's a place of control. I can choose that and I can respond to that space in different ways. I can remove myself from the room. I can choose not to engage there. You know, like you know, there are things I can do in that space, but I don't have the expectation that he's not going to show up that way because that's what happens every holiday, for example. All right. So you and I, you know. And I, you know, I'm a, we talk about this now and then, and of course, you know, everyone talks about this. Let's say you're a peacekeeper. You know, you like to keep the peace. You know, especially in family, whether it's your in-laws or your family, like you, you want to keep the you're, you you want to keep the peace. Like that, somebody says something. Like you, you know, I've talked about before that you feel or you interpret as not so nice, negative. 
when is there that fine line of do you address the situation? Do you fire back? Do you just say, hey, that's just them? Do you know what I mean? And when is it that you're not sticking up for yourself? You know, like defending yourself. And I know that's a big question because every situation is on an individual basis. Yeah, I got I got you. I, I mean, good question. Number one is when you say keep the peace, it's important to define the only place you can keep the peace is within yourself. Keeping the peace in the space with your family is 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 not something you want to focus on nor attempt to do. Because that's not something you have any control over. What you can be at peace and they can be like in their experience. That's 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 up to them. You are not accountable for their experience. So yeah, I'm choosing to keep the peace within myself. That's a great great way to orient to it. Hey, I'm gonna keep the peace for myself. I'm not here to keep the peace with the family. Good God, no. But I think there are a lot of people that do that. Well, I understand that's why most people are are in a place of overwhelm and burden at the holidays because they're focused on keeping the peace with things they have no ability to do that with. They're they're literally attempting to do something that is impossible. Okay, so let's back up. If you have a family dynamic, like with, even with a mom, it doesn't matter, sister, uncle, cousin, you know, great aunt, and even just not at the family you know, gatherings, that you know, you know, they're more temperamental, whether it's when they're drinking or not drinking, and, you know, they don't say the nicest things, okay? Anytime you fight fire with fire, you come back at them. You're going to prolong it, right? You're going to make it worse versus taking a step back, breathing, and then coming from a loving space and addressing what they said or not saying anything. That's what I mean by keep the peace. Because I think for many people... Yeah, and I would say that's keeping the peace within yourself. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because like, hey, I can be at peace with this. And yeah, there are there are two scenarios where I say it's important to, what can call it, stand for yourself, create a boundary, which is, I think is what you're getting at here. Um, if somebody is physically abusive or um, verbally, you know, abusive. verbally abusive, like name calling or something like this, yeah, like from a place of peace and acceptance, you can say, listen, that's not okay for you to talk to me that way. Right. And if you continue to talk to me that way, then I'm going to leave. But if someone just says, yo, Bobo head, <laughs> like, you know, that's not abusive. You, you, you know what I mean? You well, can again, just, again, yeah. like, yes, I mean, there yo, are, you know? yeah, again, if it's, if it's, if it's just kind of the way, like the expectation is, you know, Hey, I know this is the way my family talks to one another yeah. and this is my third rule. Okay. Yeah. Which is, and this is a great rule to take on if you're going home to the family. Commit to taking nothing personal. Yeah. Like just make a commitment to yourself that no matter what goes down here, I'm going to take none of it personal. 
that that will create a different experience for you because like most of the people that you're going home to that you may not see all the time they're going to show up the way they show up every day you're just going to happen to be there and don't expect them to change for you i get it of course not so it's like hey i'm going to accept that that i'm not going to take anything personal they say no matter what they say to me I'm just going to acknowledge that just a reflection of where they are. And I don't have to take that personal because it's just, they're just telling me where they are. It means nothing about me. And so, but that being said, if there is uh, physical or verbal abuse, then you can make it very clear that you're not going to tolerate that. Again, from a place of, of confidence and, and acceptance and peace within yourself and you can create that boundary, be very clear about it. And if they are un- incapable or unwilling to, to meet that expectation that you've named, then, then leave. Because it goes back to rule number one. I don't have to be here. Yeah. I can well, choose to be here yeah. or I can choose not to. I remember um, years ago... Uh, a wonderful, and she did body work, but also uh, she was an emotional coach too. Shout out to Jennifer. I think she's still in California. She said, you know, almost the same thing as you, but a couple things she said while you're there. If you think, you're, you know, they're getting in a heated conversation or you feel uncomfortable, it's okay just to get up and leave the room. If you're not feeling comfortable or you're not knowing what to say and you can't manage your emotions she said a couple things you can do is just you know get up get some air like walk out of the room take a break go to the bathroom um when you're seating yourself if there's someone that you know it's going to be a more difficult you know put yourself in a different area if you can i don't know what you think about that but i found in the past that has really worked for me at uh, cocktail parties. You know, it's like, it's okay to just say, excuse me, and go a different direction, you know, and clear the air. You don't have to stay in that situation. I agree 100%. You know what I mean? And then, because some people, Matt, love, even forget that you're angry or not. Some people love to argue they love to debate and they'll get really heated and like whatever I'm not that kind of person I mean some things I do some things I won't but if it was about religion or politics I don't I don't need you to believe how I believe like I'll I used to say to people wait a minute they didn't like this I don't know this was not a good thing I don't think I'd say I don't know why you're yelling or arguing because I think you may I'm mistaking me for someone that cares that you believe my way. I don't care. That would freak people out. They would get so mad. I'm like, no, I don't care if you don't believe like me. It's cool. Because they they didn't like that. I'm like, nah, kumbaya, believe whatever you want. I'm cool with that. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good thing to say or not, but I was like. That's acceptance. Like you're showing up in a place of acceptance they're not going to be able to relate to that because they're not in a place of acceptance. They're in a place of anger, frustration, you know, righteousness. Like they're in a different experience. So if you show up with acceptance, there's a disconnect there. 
That's all. Or I don't need, I don't know what it is. I mean, of course, you know, you know better than anyone. I have my sticky Wiccans. Of course, we all do. But I don't need to be right. I don't care. Like, I don't, I just don't care enough that you think, like, I'm right or wrong. Like, oh, especially when it's just a belief system or even like we and I were talking earlier, um, miscommunication. If you're talking about, like you go to a family gathering, right? Let's say this, or anything. And you're recollecting, don't you remember last year? Isn't everybody going to have a different outlook on what was said the year before? I mean, how can you possibly remember? And everyone's going to interpret it differently. So you could fight forever over it. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you're going to go away thinking that didn't happen. And you're going to go away thinking this happened. And you could stand on principle and you could be 1,000% sure, no, this is what you said. How can you possibly remember? Yeah, everyone's giving their perception of what happened. Mm-hmm. And everyone's coming from a different lens. So that's why you have five different stories about the same thing. Sure. I don't know if you've ever done this, but in business meetings, I know people that have recorded their business meetings because of this. Or smart. taking notes because very smart. Yeah. Everyone comes out of it and says, No, you agree to this. And even I found this. Let's just say you go into a meeting and then afterwards you send an email to recap. People disagree because they're like, No, wait a minute, that's not what you said in the meeting. Right? You know what I mean? Because they and, and even if you're recapping, but if you sit there for a, a really important meeting and you record it. There's no misinterpretation of what you agreed to. I don't know if that's excess, but I don't think it is when it comes to really important meetings. Well, even even if you record it, if things are not articulated in a specific way, there can still be interpretation. That's true. And I find this that's why you have litigation and lawyers and whatever. Exactly. Like when I consult with businesses and, and help, I was with someone this morning and, and they were managing their space. And I said, well, what did you say to them to do? Well, I said to make sure this was taken care of. And I said, well, what does that even mean? Like they said they would take care of it. Well, did you define what you meant by take care of it? Because I'm sure you mean something by that. And they may have interpreted it a different way. So yes, those words were said. But that was still things that were that could be interpreted. And this is one of the biggest breakdowns of communication, which is probably a whole other conversation. But Well, it's the same thing because, you know, it's miscommunication when you're sitting there, you know, with your friends and family and they think you're saying one thing and they're taking it because of where they're coming from. They're taking it a whole different way. Yes, absolutely. And this is what's important is it's not your job to manage what they perceive their their experiences. All you can do is articulate, you know, where you are. And it's not your job to convince them of anything else. You know, and this one I don't mind talking about. Um, Eric, my husband, is a lawyer. And whoever has him as a lawyer is lucky because he's a damn good debater. He states the facts even in a personal one. You know how people, like, could be one way in court, but they're another way in the family? Well, even personally... 
he just states logically, which I want to strangle him, you know what I mean? Like without getting emotional, his viewpoint, which is the best way to do it because you're not putting in emotions, right? When you're, when you're arguing your case or debating your case. But you and I were talking about it when I keep thinking, if I say it to him this way, he will have my point of view or my opinion and I will sway him. But that's not always, most times it's not the case. Right? I mean, they have their perspective and their viewpoint, and it's not as if you can change their point of view or you should want to. I don't know. I don't know if that came out right, but go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, I think if, if the thing, if you're trying to get them to change their perspective on something so you feel better, that's the problem. Matt. All husbands should do that. (laughs) A lot of husbands attempt to do this and vice versa, but that's also why I think... My husband does it, believe me. He says to me all the time, which I'm sure is a healthy thing to say. He says to me, which you would be happy with, but I'm like, please, I just want to smack you. He goes, do you just want me to say, okay, you know how people say happy wife, happy life? He goes, I will never do that. I'm going to just tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. And I'm like, uh... Could you lie to me sometimes? <laughs> there's, you know a pl- I mean? there's a place for everything, you know? No, you know what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm kidding around. Yes. Yeah, but <laughs> he would never just say it to keep the peace. Like, as you say, like, manage my peace. He's that's, there you go. Exactly. Keep keep the peace within yourself. Yeah, that's that's the thing to do for the holidays. Yeah, keep the peace within yourself, not keep the peace within the environment and the family. Yeah. Like, that's not going to go well, because that's not something that's possible. But it's not even just for the holidays, it's in general. Like you, Of course, but yeah. holidays is definitely, I call it, you know, peace and acceptance boot camp. That's what it is. Well, more triggers get fired up, don't you think? Well, yes, because our core patterns were installed at, at a very young age, because that's where how the brain develops. It's all imprinted when we're between zero and five is where our biggest emotional patterns are developed and are unconscious. So mm-hmm. when you're back with your family, the triggers that connect directly back to those emotional patterns that were instilled at a young age, like those triggers directly correlate to those emotions, which is why the emotions are so intense around our family. Yeah. So that's well, why sure. I say it's it's like a boot camp. Like, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, and it's called the validation syndrome, I call it. If you heard what they said, you'd be mad. If you saw what they did, like, you know what I mean? You want someone to go, yeah, you know, you should be pissed off, right? Don't you hear that a million times? Like, if you were there, you know? we. It's not easy to find justification for being anxious, overwhelmed, and angry, but I don't know why... We want to justify being in a state that we're trying to get out of. Say that, like, one more time. Sure. It's very easy to create a narrative and have people champion you on the narrative as to why you're justified in feeling overwhelmed, anxious, angry, etc. Like, you can find narrative to support that. But why would we want to find narrative to justify an experience that we really would would like not to be in? So you can justify anything. You could justify in the same exact way 
all of the reasons why you're at peace with things. You can justify and create a narrative to justify acceptance, gratitude, joy. You can create a narrative to justify any emotional experience. Okay. We're just not consciously okay. directing that process. We, as humans with these brains, our brains are designed to for status quo. So if I am have been in an experience of overwhelm and anxiety and that's what I'm used to, mm-hmm. then my brain has gotten really good at justifying that experience. So that's going to be the thing that my brain does. So gotcha. And so gotcha. it's going to create this experience for me of overwhelm and anxiety because that's what my brain has gotten good at doing. That's it. It formed that habit. You can justify, yeah, it's definitely a habit. You could justify um, why you have every all the reasons to be at peace, all the reasons you have to be joyful, all the reasons you have to be empowered. Like it's just a different focus, so the mind would create a different experience for you. Good Everything's about Good focus. Point. We're just not consciously doing these things. That's all. Yeah, that's true. As you and I always talk about it, it's that simple and it's that difficult. It's training. You know, if, you, yeah. if you're speaking English, is it simple to learn a, an, another language? Well, the steps are simple. Practice speaking the new language. Um, yeah. You know, but does it take practice and an investment of time to do it? Sure. But that's true of anything you're going to learn, whether you're learning another language or learning how to create more peace. The brain is still going to go through the same processes of creating those experiences and learning yeah. how to do it. It doesn't change because we're talking about emotion. Yeah, and what you and I, which I want—I know we're going to wrap up here, say all the time, even if it's just, and you know I'm a firm believer, it's better to do something little every day, even if you don't have the huge block of time you would like. Whether, let's say your ideal thing is an hour, let's say your ideal thing is 20 minutes, even if you took five minutes every day, it's better than nothing. My entire meditation practice, or I'll call it my internal training practice, started six years ago, and it started with taking three deep breaths when I woke up in the morning. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you say that, I start breathing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt, we got to wrap up. You know, you got to go. I got to go. Is there anything that you didn't get in that you want to cover before, you know, we go off? into our wonderful family and friend holidays. No, I'll just I'll just kind of name the three steps for people so they can at least have something to take into the holidays with them. Um, number one is just acknowledge you have a choice. Like, just do that. Like, step one, hey, I'm choosing to go home. Okay. Step two, I'm going to focus on what I have control over, meaning I'm going to define the experience I'm going to create for myself, right? Like, just put your put your attention on that. Right. So, hey, I'm going to choose to go home and I'm going to choose to be in a place of acceptance and peace. And even if you get to access that experience for five or 10 percent of the time you're with your family, celebrate that. It's five or 10 percent more time than last year. Right. Yeah. And then the third thing that I would invite people to do is just just commit to taking nothing personal. I think that also will serve you in in keeping the peace within yourself. Yeah. Huge. Huge. All right, Matt, as always, it's been a pleasure. And for those of you who are listening, you know I wish you so much fun and joy and peace and love. 
not just throughout the holidays, but always. And you, you know, we'll put links for Matt because you not only can do individual sessions with him, but he has group sessions, he has workshops, and I just want to send out the strongest vibes, 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 just to try something because I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And for my let's keep it real people, you know what I'm going to say till next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.